Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Say Yes To podcast. My name is Ange, I'm your host, and today is a little bonus episode. I am sitting down and recording this on Saturday, June 27th, and this episode will be coming out on Monday, June 29th. Before we even start today's episode, I just wanted to say really quick, thank you so, 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 so much for listening in. I was very nervous to start this podcast, and I went in with very low expectations, and honestly, my expectations have been blown out of the water so far. I am so excited and happy and joyful every week to sit down and record. This is giving me motivation in life. This is giving me purpose. It's giving me something to do in quarantine. And you being one of the people that listens to my podcast is giving me extra encouragement and motivation to keep sitting down and to keep recording. So this podcast would not be what it is without you sitting down listening to it right here, right now, today. And because of that, the second thing that I wanted to ask is that you please take a screenshot of this episode right now and put it on your Instagram story and tag me at just Ange Marie so I can personally connect with you and thank you for listening in today. That would mean the absolute world to me. So I decided to sit down and record this episode after having an idea strike me this morning. I woke up around 4.30 in the morning, which for some of you might sound kind of weird, but for me, that's been my new normal recently. I've been waking up at like 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Sometimes I cannot fall back asleep. Sometimes I can fall back asleep. Sometimes I wake up and I don't feel the need to fall back asleep. I feel energized and ready to get up and start my day. So that's exactly what I do. And that is what happened today. So I went about my morning routine. I basically treated 4.30 a.m. as if it was 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. Just kind of trying to give myself some grace and know that if that does happen to me, it's okay to not fixate so much on the time on the clock itself, but pay more attention to what I'm actually thinking and feeling internally and give my body what it needs. So that's why I got up and I went about my morning. I ended up going on a walk and as I was going on a walk, I listened to a podcast about bipolar type 2 disorder, which my therapist recommended for me to listen to. I can link that podcast in the show notes. I'll make sure to do that. And as I was listening to that podcast, I had an idea that struck me for this episode and I decided to sit down and record it and it's going to be about bipolar type 2 disorder but more specifically answering some questions that you can be asked in order to kind of uncover and realize whether or not you may be living with bipolar 2 disorder or another mental illness. If my voice sounds a little nervous or shaky during this episode, it's because this is kind of nerve-wracking for me to sit down and talk about by myself. I've talked about this with other people. I've talked about it with my therapist, my psychiatrist, and I think I feel more comfortable and confident talking about it with another person, as weird as that is. Sitting down and talking about it completely by myself is just a little bit nerve-wracking for me. So I think before starting to answer the questions that I wanted to answer, I wanted to like basically interview myself. If I was ever going to sit down and talk about bipolar type 2 disorder, it would be kind of nice for somebody to interview me, but I was like, this is my podcast, so... I feel like it'd be kind of weird to like invite somebody on here to interview me. So I was like, I'll just kind of interview myself. I'll ask some questions and I'll answer them for you. So the first thing that I wanted to dive into today before I start my Q&A portion of this podcast 
is defining bipolar disorder. So I'm using the National Institute of Mental Health website, which I would definitely say is a credible and reliable source for this info. It's not Wikipedia, it's not WebMD. So bipolar disorder was actually formerly called manic depressive illness or manic depression. It is a mental disorder that causes unusual shifts in mood, energy, activity levels, concentration, and the ability to carry out day-to-day tasks. There are three types of bipolar disorder. All types involve clear changes in mood, energy, and activity levels. These moods range from periods of extremely up, elated, irritable, or energized behavior, which is known as a manic episode, to very down, sad, indifferent, or hopeless periods, known as depressive episodes. Less severe manic periods are known as hypomanic episodes. I really wanted to get that out of the way as soon as possible because I do say the word hypomanic and talk a lot about hypomanic episodes in this podcast. Bipolar 1 disorder specifically is defined by manic episodes that last at least seven days or by manic symptoms that are so severe that the person needs immediate hospital care, which is why I also say in this episode, bipolar 1 disorder is not considered a disorder in which you experience shorter hypomanic episodes and the manic episodes in bipolar 1 disorder are more severe because you usually need hospital care of some sort. Usually depressive episodes occur as well, typically lasting at least two weeks. Episodes of depression with mixed features, having depressed symptoms and manic symptoms at the same time are also possible. Bipolar 2 disorder is what I've been diagnosed with and that is defined by a pattern of depressive episodes and hypomanic episodes, but not the full-blown manic episodes that are typical of bipolar 1 disorder. People with bipolar disorder experience periods of unusually intense emotion, changes in sleep patterns and activity levels, and uncharacteristic behaviors, often without regarding their likely harmful or undesirable effects. These distinct periods are called mood episodes. Mood episodes are very different from the moods and behaviors that are typical for the person. During an episode, the symptoms last every day for most of the day. Episodes may also last for longer periods, such as several days or weeks. People having a manic episode may feel very high, up, elated, or irritable, or touchy, jumpy or weird, have decreased need for sleep, loss of appetite, talk very fast about a lot of different things, feel like their thoughts are racing, think they can do a lot of things at once, do risky things that show poor judgment, and feel like they are unusually important, talented, or powerful. People experiencing a depressive episode may feel very sad, down, empty, worried, or hopeless, feel slowed down or restless, have trouble falling asleep, wake up too early or sleep too much, experience increased appetite or weight gain, talk very slowly, feel like they have nothing to say, have trouble concentrating or making decisions, feel unable to do simple things, have little interest in almost all activities, feel hopeless or worthless, and may think about death or suicide. Sometimes people experience both manic and depressive symptoms in the same episode, This kind of an episode is called an episode with mixed features. People experiencing mixed features may feel sad, empty, or hopeless, while at the same time feeling extremely energized. That is the basis of what bipolar disorder is, plain and simple from a credible source for you. And I think it's important to kind of uncover exactly why I am sitting down and recording an episode like this today. And that is because a couple months into quarantine, I was diagnosed with bipolar type 2 disorder. And initially, this was very scary for me. 
I had a lot of the signs and symptoms of bipolar type 2 disorder, but I was not aware of it. And if you listen to my most recent podcast episode that I put out before this one, talking about saying yes to a new mindset, I interviewed Desiree Claiborne and something that she talked about was the fact that when you live with bipolar type 2 disorder, it's scary because it's like her psychiatrist said to her, what is scarier, living with an illness where you know you're sick or living with an illness where you don't know you're sick? That is kind of what bipolar disorder was for me because it's not physical. It's not a broken arm or a broken leg. It's not even like strep throat or something like that where you're like, oh, my throat hurts. I'm going to take action. Oh, my arm is broken. I'm going to go to the hospital. It's something where the signs and symptoms can kind of mask themselves. So it's more normal to be like, oh, I'm just feeling sad for more than a few days at a time oh, I'm just feeling really energetic and motivated and goal-driven and overly confident in myself for consistently a few days or more at a time. It's more normal to just notice the signs and symptoms and kind of play them off as, oh, I'm just feeling this way or I'm just feeling that way until you reach points in your life where maybe the signs and symptoms become so apparent that you know something is wrong, but you don't know exactly what it is. So that's kind of what my life was like before being diagnosed with bipolar type 2. And it all started out with me, I would say, visiting my primary care physician in about the middle of quarantine. I remember feeling initially a lot of the signs and symptoms of hypomania, which I'll get into a little bit later. And after the hypomania died out, I fell into a depression. And the thing that I just want to clear out of the way with depression is that it is not feeling temporary sadness that is easily put inside and then outside of your body within a couple hours or a day or two. It is a feeling of lowness that is lower than low and lasts for normally a week or two or more at a time. So I fell into what was a depressive episode. And for me, again, I kind of played it off and just thought I was sad, I was unmotivated, whatever. I wasn't paying proper attention to it until one day I felt so run down and my body started to feel cold. I remember my toes turning purple. I was depressed and I ended up going to my primary care physician for blood work based on what I thought was either something with my thyroid because my mom deals with that or a vitamin deficiency because I knew that I was deficient in vitamin B12 and vitamin D before. But basically, I went to my doctor and I told her what was going on. I got the blood work done. I went back to her. We went over the results for my blood work, got tested for iron, zinc, B12, D3, vitamin A, autoimmune diseases, lupus, mono, thyroid levels, everything. And the only thing that struck my doctor in the results that we got back was that my vitamin D level was a little low. And it wasn't dangerously low. It was just low as in like take a vitamin D supplement either once a week or every single day and your levels should start to come back up to par. After that, we were talking about anxiety and depression because I told her that I was also possibly feeling symptoms of those things as well. And we were looking through paperwork from my past visits and going through all of the antidepressant medications that I've tried before, all of the medications that I've tried for anxiety before, 
I remember one of the most recent antidepressants that I've tried before the one that I'm taking right now. The generic name was fluoxetine, and I remember taking that while I was working and feeling like a zombie while I was working. Taking a bus home from work and falling asleep on the bus and getting home from work and crawling into bed and taking a nap, waking up feeling disgusting after a nap, like it wouldn't even make me feel refreshed, I felt more tired and having dinner and then wanting to take a shower and crawl back into bed and do it all over again. And I told her it was really frustrating because everything that I've tried never really worked for me. Everything made me feel fatigue and like a zombie. So that's when we had the conversation about trying Pristique, which in her professional opinion was a newer antidepressant that should work better for me and also basically the last medication that I could try before having to meet with a psychiatrist. The other thing that my primary care physician said to me was if Pristique doesn't work for you then you might have some kind of a twinge of bipolar disorder and when she said that to me I felt like a pit drop in my stomach I was really scared, I was shocked, I was confused. I didn't completely understand what that meant. She handed me a prescription for 50 milligrams of Pristique and I went and picked up the prescription and started it that day. After taking Pristique for about, I would say, two to three weeks, I did start to notice differences. But I knew that it wasn't doing all that it could. So I brought that up to my therapist, and for a few sessions after that, my therapist and I went over what is bipolar disorder, what is type 1, what is type 2, what are the differences between the two, what is the treatment for bipolar type 1, bipolar type 2, all of the things. And while talking with my therapist, I remember saying that I knew that the antidepressant was working, because I felt like my lows were not as low and from talking with my therapist I was learning about what hypomania is that's what I felt like I was feeling after talking about that with her and her bringing that to my attention I remember um, towards the end of May there was one Saturday where I felt really irritable tense anxious sad like my emotions were all over the place and I remember laying on my bed and I just started crying and I knew that I wasn't feeling right. I think I was picking a fight with my boyfriend over something dumb, which is what I do when I am overly irritable. And I remember texting him and being like, I know that I don't feel great right now. I know this is me right now, but this isn't really me. I'm going to reach out to my therapist and my doctor and talk to them about what's going on and see what I should do. I called my doctor, I texted my therapist, I told my doctor I'm taking 50 milligrams of Pristique right now, I feel like it's making my depression better, but I feel like it's not making my anxiety better, and also another side effect I'm having is that I keep waking up at 3 in the morning full of energy, which is something that I've never felt before. I was like, is this a side effect of the Pristique? what is going on and my doctor immediately was like that sounds like um, an effect of bipolar disorder just like very naturally very effortlessly 
And then that same feeling of like the pit dropping in my stomach and the scared, anxious, like what the heck is going on feeling hit me again. And I remember hanging up the phone and then talking with my therapist about that again when we had our session um, a couple days after that and basically decided that the best thing for me to do would meet with was to meet with a psychiatrist and explore the potential of me living with bipolar 2 disorder. After talking with the psychiatrist, again, it was a very easy, easy and effortless conversation. I don't want to say an effortless diagnosis, but she asked me a few questions. I was very open, honest, and she was like, yes, it sounds like you are living with bipolar 2 disorder. I'm going to prescribe you a mood stabilizer. We went over two different mood stabilizer options, which was either going to be Abilify or Lamictal. She said, we're going to try out Abilify first. If you have any noticeable side effects, and we went over the side effects, then you can try Lamictal, but let's try Abilify first. So I started taking, along with the 50 milligrams of Pristique, since that was working for me, I added in the two milligrams of Abilify, and I feel like before going to therapy, going to a psychiatrist, and taking these medications, I feel like I was walking through life with a fogged up windshield or fogged up glasses. It's like when you're driving and your windshield gets fogged up or it's raining and you have to use your windshield wipers and then you use the windshield wipers or if it's a pair of fogged up glasses, your glasses get fogged up and you have to take them off and rub them on your shirt and then you put them back on again and you can just see clearly. Like, I feel like I see colors clearly. I feel so much happier. I feel more willing to do things. And that's what the psychiatrist was telling me that the Abilify should do. Um, we talked about my anxiety and kind of how my anxiety manifests personally for me in my day-to-day -day life. And I said, I feel like I have trouble doing tasks that when I talk to other people about doing certain things, they're like, just do it. Like, just do the thing. I don't get why it's so hard. Like, just do it. And I'm like, I can't explain it to you. It's just something that I feel. It's literally something in my brain where I feel like there is a wall between me and me being able to do very easy things. So that is one thing that definitely stands out to me with my anxiety. And one thing that stands out to me after taking the Abilify and Pristique together I feel like I'm able to do tasks that once seemed very hard very easily. Things do not seem as daunting for me anymore. I'm really excited to see where the future takes me. That is a little bit of the background with my diagnosis and my story. And now I want to jump into the topic of what I really wanted to do today, which is answering a few questions about bipolar type 2 disorder that doctor or therapist or another mental health professional might ask you when trying to figure out if you are living with bipolar, bipolar type 1, bipolar type 2, or another mental illness of some kind. So I wanted to basically, as I said, interview myself and answer these questions just to give whoever is interested a better picture of what I am living with and how it manifests in my everyday life and how it has manifested in my past because again I now know that I went through a lot of experiences and time periods where the signs and symptoms were there but I just was not 
aware of it. I couldn't pinpoint it. I just didn't know. So the first question that I have here is, have you ever felt that your mood was elevated or too good for a series of consecutive days? And another way to say elevated or too good is that you basically feel a notch above normal, like a notch above your baseline or even euphoric. You can also feel very energetic or agitated or confident. Something else um, is having like grandiose self-esteem. So again, being more confident than you normally are at your baseline. And right off the bat, I just want to be honest, this is a sign or symptom of mania or hypomania. And the difference between those two things is that mania is when you feel this way and I would say a little bit better than just too good, a little bit better than just elevated. And that is for a week or more when you are somebody living with bipolar type 1. And somebody that lives with bipolar type 2 feels elevated or too good for a series of four consecutive days. So that is from my understanding after speaking with my therapist and a psychiatrist the difference with mania and hypomania in type 1 and type 2 bipolar disorder in very plain, simple terms. When I was asked that question, and the more I thought about it in therapy and on my own, I definitely met that criteria, feeling too good or having an elevated mood for a period of four days. Thinking back on it, the very first time that I felt this way was in college. I know that it was around the time when I was looking for internships. And that is another thing with hypomania and depressive episodes and bipolar type 2 disorder. Certain life circumstances can 110% trigger an episode of hypomania or depression. Something as small as looking for an internship and all of the thoughts and emotions and feelings that came with that could have potentially triggered my hypomanic episode. And I remember waking up at three in the morning feeling so awake, refreshed, ready to go. Again, that was not something normal for me. I was normally somebody that would go to bed at 10 and wake up at six, seven, eight, nine. Like I was not wake up at three or 4 a.m. multiple days in a row kind of person. So I remember feeling really energized and waking up at three in the morning. For some reason, my brain wanted um, pumpkin spice oatmeal. So I think this was in October of junior or senior year. I wanted pumpkin spice oatmeal. And I remember putting on clothes, getting my things together, getting in my car, and driving to the grocery store near my college. And I got to the grocery store before it even opened. And that's when I sat in my car and I was like, why am I here right now? Something in my brain was like, I need to be here to get pumpkin spice oatmeal to start my day at four in the morning. But then something else in my brain was like, this is normal. This is uncharacteristic of me. So I chilled in my car until the store opened and went into the store, got my things, went back to my school, made my breakfast and started working on my photography website, which is, as I said earlier, Living with anxiety, that was something that I was putting off. It was one of those things that felt like it was on the other side of the wall of things that I was able to easily accomplish and things that I had trouble accomplishing. 
I had trouble making my photography website. I've been a photographer since I was a sophomore in high school, and I've had Tumblr blogs and things like that, but I never had an official photography website. And I think deep down that was stressing me out and making me feel bad about myself being a photographer for so many years, but never bringing myself to make an actual website. But for some reason, after waking up at four in the morning and going and getting my oatmeal, I sat down and I started making it. And I just remember going at it for, I think it was three to four days. And I went at it until the very last second. And I remember going at it and using that to apply to internships and after going at that and also being again very energetic feeling very good very confident in myself for those few days not needing as much sleep I definitely died down into feeling depressed and that's when I started going through a period where I felt like I had this aching sadness inside of me just sitting in my stomach and in my heart every single day and I just didn't know why and it was so frustrating for me but that was the first time where I think I remember feeling too good for a series of consecutive days and also chasing increased goal-oriented and directed activity for a few days just acting uncharacteristic of me In my own mind, in my own body, I knew that I wasn't acting like me at my baseline. So another time when I felt too good for a series of consecutive days, which is kind of scary to say or realize, but it was actually in the beginning of quarantine. In the beginning of quarantine, I joined something that Rachel Hollis created. If you know me, you know I love Rachel Hollis. And she created something called the Next 90 Days Challenge, which was basically a three-month virtual challenge where her and her husband would do a life coaching video at the beginning of every single week about a topic that would help you become healthier, happier, more confident, more empowered, a better version of yourself. And then every single day throughout the week, Dave and Rachel would also do a morning show on Instagram Live for like a half an hour. And I remember going after this challenge as well as wanting to become a beach body health and fitness coach yet again because I've always been on and off with that for a period of four days or more. I was so goal-driven, goal-oriented, going at it, going at this challenge, telling everybody else to do it, watching the Start Today morning show on Instagram Live, looking at other people that were watching the show and picking out at least 10 to 30 names of people that were watching the show, writing them down in a notebook or a Word document, and then messaging those people after the show and going, hey, are you doing the 90-day challenge? Hey, 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 hey. And I would sit on my phone for hours messaging people through text or through audio. So that's another thing as a symptom of hypomania is being increasingly chatty or talkative, which again, I am an introvert. I consider myself pretty antisocial unless somebody pushes me out of my bubble. So the fact that I was going at becoming a Beachbody coach, starting a a Beachbody team, doing the next 90 days, trying to build a community of other people that were doing the next 90 days, going at all of these things, being increasingly chatty, having all this energy, also being extremely irritable. 
because my poor boyfriend, I talk to him the most and I spend the most time with him and I was getting so irritated and frustrated with him for the smallest things. And like now that I'm on the other side of that time period in my life, I feel guilt and I feel sorrow for the way that I treated him and was talking to him during that time period. And that's me at my baseline, knowing that the way that I was acting back then at the end of March was uncharacteristic of me, not me at my normal baseline. Putting all those things together, I just remember feeling really good for those few couple of days while I was doing all of those things and then dropping down into what felt like depression. So it went from feeling really good for a few consecutive days to dropping down into feeling lower than low. And when I talk about these things, I just want to clarify For me, I have always had a baseline and my baseline has always been mixed with anxiety. I feel like me at my normal baseline was living with generalized anxiety. Me, whenever I did experience hypomania, was higher than a normal good mood. It was not just feeling happy or good or whatever for a few days. It was feeling better than happy and it lasted for four days or more. And a depressive episode, again, is not just feeling sad, not crying, and then wiping your tears off and blowing your nose and going back to life. It's feeling consistently low for at least a week or two weeks or more than that. So that's what I'm saying when I'm talking about baseline, low, and high. I'm going to move on to the next question now. During that period, did you find that you were sleeping less than normal but didn't feel tired or necessarily affected? It was hard to realize this in college because I think, unfortunately, a decreased need for sleep as a college student is, it's like something to joke about almost. Like, I only got three hours of sleep last night and everybody's like, haha, like, we're all so busy and stressed, whatever, you know? When we need eight hours of sleep a night, like, as a human to function at our best or at least well. So if anything, I feel like it's kind of hard for me to look back and think about a time when I had a decreased need for sleep. But again, that definitely happened at least once in college around the time when I was going at my photography website and made that within just a few days. And also, as I was saying, in quarantine, I started feeling decreased need for sleep because I would wake up at three in the morning and feel really energized and ready to start my day three in the morning felt like seven eight or nine in the morning for me next question is during that good mood period did you ever have the sense that you had a lot of ideas and that your brain felt sped up the first time that i can recall is when i was making my photography website and i had a lot of ideas related to that and my 110 percent felt like my brain was sped up which is a reason why you can be increasingly chatty or increasing increasingly goal-driven, goal-oriented. And another time when I felt like I had a lot of ideas and my brain was sped up, somebody recommended to me, talk to your friends and family, make sure that they're paying close attention to you, and also ask them if they have seen signs and symptoms in you because it's different to talk to somebody else about it than to just talk to yourself about it. This is actually something that my boyfriend brought to my attention because when I was kind of dealing with figuring out, am I living with bipolar type 2 disorder? Do I really relate to these signs and symptoms and criteria? Just going through that in my own brain, I remember asking him, hey, has there ever been a time when for a period of two weeks or more, 
you saw symptoms of depression in me and I listed the symptoms or a time when for four days or more you saw symptoms of hypomania in me and I listed all the symptoms for that and I asked him because he's been one of the people that I've talked to and spent the most time with over the past year we met in December-ish January of 2018-2019 and it is now June 2020 almost July and we're still together and we talk all the time and spend all this time together so I was like I think he's a good person to ask because of the time period that we've known each other and also because of the amount of time that we spend together so I asked my boyfriend and he said well there was that time around graduation last year and that was something that again I needed to be brought to my attention before thinking about it myself because that was something that was completely outside of me So I started thinking about graduation, graduating college. I 110% knew that I was going through some kind of anxiety and depression during that time. My anxiety was so heightened. It was debilitating. I could still function as a normal human, but I was just having so much trouble internally and putting on a happy face externally and pushing through my day-to-day life. I was also dealing with symptoms of depression 100%, but just pushing through it, masking it, trying to act fine because, again, it's graduation. It's supposed to be this happy, great time of your life. And unfortunately, I cannot look back on it that way, at least right now. I remember around the time of graduation, the question was, did you ever have a sense that you had a lot of ideas and that your brain felt sped up? Around that time period last year, I did have a ton of ideas, and I don't want to I don't want you to say, oh, it's because it was graduation. Like, duh. Like, everybody has a ton of ideas around graduation. No, I feel like it was really different for me because I've always wanted a tattoo. I always wanted a nose piercing. But for some reason, during that time period, it felt so pressing and urgent for me to be, like, rebellious and go and get those things ASAP. So I got a tattoo on my wrist around my birthday, May 2nd. And I also got my nose pierced. And I remember having one of the worst fights with my mom because she is a very wonderful woman, Christian, Catholic, mother, Italian, um, not the biggest fan of tattoos and nose piercings. And we got in the most awful fight after I did those things. And I remember having that tough conversation with her about my tattoo and again, just standing in front of her, trying to defend myself for getting that tattoo. I felt kind of out of body. I felt like I was confident in the things that I was saying, again, overly confident, but I was like, I just don't feel like myself at my baseline right now. I knew that in the back of my head and I know that thinking back on it. Other ideas that I had during that time were starting my own business with one of my friends and I was going to call it Say Yes to You. I signed up to have her coach me and start my own business. I wanted to get my personal training certification. So I had a graduation party and I got a good amount of money from that. And instead of saving the money, I felt again the pressing and urgent need to spend it all. So I spent almost all of it, including the business coaching, getting my personal training certification. I was ready to dive into all of these things. And after about after starting to dive into all of these things, I saw an ad for jobs that were open at a fitness studio in Philadelphia that I really loved. And it seemed pressing and urgent for me to go work for that studio. So again, making a rash, unthought out decision, 
decided to go work for that studio once I was offered the job, decided to move out of my parents' house and move into Philadelphia without any money saved up, without a budget. To other people, it might sound like this was adventurous and this was fun and I was trying to play it off on social media as if it was, but I was living with signs and symptoms of depression. I was living with generalized anxiety and I think a little bit of hypomania in there is what was pushing me to pursue all of these ideas and do all of these things because me at my normal baseline into taking an antidepressant, into going to therapy, into slowing the fuck down, into taking a mood stabilizer, me when I am more stable is not a person that would do these kinds of things. It just isn't. So my boyfriend pointed that out to me when I had a lot of ideas around that time and I felt like my brain was sped up and I had to do all these things. Another question is, do you feel more talkative? Um, As I said in the beginning of quarantine, I think that was the time when being talkative definitely stuck out the most to me. I would sit on my phone and message people through text message, but more specifically audio message for hours. I would sit on my driveway and just message, message, message people, starting conversations, maintaining conversations. Like that, again, is not normal for me because I know that after going through that period of being super talkative and super chatty for a little bit, I dropped down into depression and I wanted nothing to do with the conversations anymore, which was really weird because I was thinking back like, hello, literally a week ago, I was so energetic. I was so happy. I was so motivated. I was so talkative and like, where the hell did all of that go? And that's one of the most frustrating things about bipolar disorder. So I was definitely more talkative for a period of time, but it dropped down. Have you taken on more projects than usual, such as work? So that is also definitely something that I have dealt with. And it's been really frustrating because, again, I didn't know that it was hypomanic symptoms. I didn't know that whatever I was feeling was going to be temporary and not going to last. But I have always been like that. I have always been one to take on more projects and be really again, energetic, motivated, goal-oriented, going after all of these things. And after going after a bunch of things, it dies down. The motivation wears off. It goes away and I feel depressed and I feel like I cannot do it anymore. One of the things that happened around the time when I was creating my photography website is that I got a job at J. Crew in the King of Prussia Mall because that was near my school. And I remember feeling so confident again like the grandiose self-esteem overly confident and I got the job and I remember working a couple shifts and then the high went away and I remember feeling depressed and quitting the job because I no longer felt that same way anymore I felt hopeless and lower than low like I cannot bring myself to do this job anymore And I said that I had to leave for mental health reasons and it wasn't the best thing for me to be working that job anymore. I'm always one to take on more projects than usual, again, around graduation, saying I'm going to do this, this, that, this and that on top of having grandiose self-esteem. And that's the weird thing is that like for me specifically, like something with bipolar disorder is that it's different for every person. It's not a one size fits all thing. You have to meet the criteria for dealing with one hypomanic episode for four days and then dealing with one depressive episode for two weeks. 
But other than that, it's different for every person. And for me personally, there have been times when I felt both hypomanic and depressed with a little bit of mixed in anxiety. And I just thought that was normal, but I've realized the way that I feel now, like the way that I was feeling then is not normal. And I'm happy that I'm doing the work to overcome it. But I was saying around the time of graduation, um, was taking on all of those projects and also feeling, again, anxious and depressed, but grandiose self-esteem, like all of these weird things mixed together. And I took on a lot thinking that I was going to do a million things at once as soon as I graduated and ended up moving and then crashed after I moved, but silently by myself, putting on a smile and trying to push through life as if I was completely fine. Have you done things that you would consider risky? Um, it says, because bipolar patients in a manic episode are more impulsive, therapists ask about previous irresponsible behaviors to try to figure out if they're just acting out or if these rash actions are different than their normal behaviors. So again, in the hypomanic episodes that I've experienced, perfect example is deciding to start a new job and move to Philadelphia on a whim. I did it literally within a couple days. It was a chain reaction of I would love to work for this fitness studio. I got the job. If I have the job, then I have to live in Philadelphia. Texting, again, increasingly chatty, increasingly goal-driven, goal-oriented. Texting everybody on my contacts list, literally every single person in the contacts list on my phone, Facebooking, Instagramming, tweeting. Does anybody know somebody that needs a roommate in Philadelphia? Finding a place to live by doing that. And picking up my stuff and moving and also grandiose self-esteem feeling overly confident I moved on Father's Day like it was so important to me to move and to work this job and to do all of these things at that point in my life that I moved on Father's Day and my family didn't celebrate Father's Day last year because we moved me from my parents house into Philadelphia because I needed to move on that Sunday to start work and to start training on that Monday or something like that. So my need and my wants to move were more important than celebrating Father's Day with my family, which again, at my baseline, at my normal, is not me. Next question. Have you felt smarter, more attractive, or more accomplished? Yes, yes, and yes. I don't think I need to dive into the nitty-gritty because I've talked a lot about that already, but it's just when the mood becomes elevated, so does your confidence, self-esteem, and optimism. I think graduation is a great example of that. Making my photography website, going after the job at J. Crew, all of that, great example of that. Whenever I feel better than my baseline, I always feel more confident in myself and put my needs before others' needs. So that is the last question on the article that I was reading through. I know this was a lot of me sitting down and rambling, but I hope it makes a little bit more sense of my bipolar type 2 diagnosis. Something else that I've also been struggling with that I know I will get better at as time comes is unfortunately questioning myself. I was very confident in my diagnosis initially after getting through the scared and shocked feelings. My psychiatrist literally asked me like, what do you want to get out of working to? 
together and I was like, I literally want a diagnosis and I want to know what kind of medication I should be taking. I don't want to play games. I'm also kind of the same way with therapy. Like I've been to a school counselor. I have been to another therapist before. This is my third go around. And I was like, the mistake I made in my last round of therapy is that I would always talk about the good things going on in my life. And I feel like it's not the time to talk about the good things. For me personally, therapy is a time to sit down and talk about the hard shit that I keep bottled up inside of me and have trouble talking about because those are the things that I don't talk about, the things that I don't want to talk about, and a therapist is the right person to help me out with those kinds of things. So I don't play games with therapy and my psychiatrist. I was like, I just want to know what is going on inside of me because when I think about it, all of this started my junior year of college, which I think was 2017, and I've never officially figured out what it is. I know growing up I dealt with anxiety. I think I started dealing with depressive episodes in high school and I tried taking different medications. Nothing was working so I just kind of settled in the frustration of what is wrong with me, playing guessing games myself. If you are somebody that is in that position right now, I want you to hear me and hear me tell you it is time to stop the guessing games. It is time to get help because you don't have to be at rock bottom. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be at your worst and lowest point in order to get help. Knowing that you experienced a period of life where you had a baseline, for me, that was my summer after my sophomore year of college, I had a baseline. I felt great. I was healthy. I was happy for the most part. If I didn't feel happy, I didn't judge myself for feeling other emotions. I just knew that I had a baseline and I knew towards the end of my junior year of college that was gone. And I never got that back and it's now freaking 2020 and I've been going through this for too long and it would make me really sad if somebody out there is listening to this and is hearing all this and is going through the same thing that I went through like if you know something is off get help and you can get help from a therapist you can sign on to betterhelp.com and start doing therapy in literally a few days from now i have a friend that did that and that literally made me so happy that she went and started going to therapy after a conversation that we had you need to start going to therapy you need to talk to a primary care physician that's not the best person to talk to you should ask them to point you to a psychiatrist that is in your insurance network and meet with a psychiatrist. It's okay to take medication. It's okay to go th to therapy. It's okay to get help. And especially because the thing that you're dealing with might not be the thing that you even think you're dealing with. For me, I thought it was always only depression or only anxiety or just who I was. But now I know that my diagnosis opened up a new door for me that what I was saying is I told my psychiatrist, like, I just want to get the help that I need to feel stable again. I just want to be back at a baseline where I don't feel like I have to sleep every day, it's like take naps, like lay in my bed from like 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. before I can get up and shower and do things and be human. I want to have an appetite again. I don't want to feel like a tangled up pair of headphones all the time. I know that we all have AirPods now, so that might be um, an a bad analogy but that's literally how my anxiety would make me feel like a big tangled up knotted pair of headphones or for the girls out there like a chain like um, a necklace chain where there's a knot in it and it's so frustrating to get out that you'd rather just throw it in the corner of your room and not look at it and not deal with it but if that's something that resonates with you and you understand that it's time to start untangling 
that pair of headphones that lays inside of you. It's time to start getting the help that you need because you deserve it. And especially if you are feeling suicidal in any way, shape, or form right now, this world needs you and you need to get help to understand and know in your heart in not a grandiose way, not an overly confident self-esteem kind of way, but just know that this world needs you and you are important and you are valued and you are loved and you are special and there is nobody else like you on this earth. Like, that's literally so fucking cool that there is nobody else like you and you need to know that that is more than good enough of a reason for this world to need you and you are more than good enough and you are worthy and you matter. I hope that this podcast bonus episode serves you in one way or another. Again, I hope the reason why I'm posting so much about bipolar type 2 right now makes a little bit more sense. I honestly feel more comfortable and confident with the diagnosis by doing this, by talking about it, by putting out a podcast episode or an Instagram caption. Like The more open I am about it with other people, especially knowing that I'm also talking to other people through Instagram that live with bipolar type 2 about it and about medications and about therapy, like this all makes it feel more normal and more comfortable for me. So that's why I do this. It's not trying to gain attention. It's not trying to have a new personality or a new thing that I'm going to obsess over for a couple weeks or a couple months. Like it doesn't define me. It's not who I am and it's not a weakness. But it is a part of me and it's a part of me that I want to be open and honest about and not hide away because I want other people to be open and honest about the mental illnesses that they're dealing with as well. I want you to get the help that you need if you think, even think, that you might be dealing with a mental illness because it doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world, the most dramatic thing in the world for you to be dealing with a mental illness and get the help that you need. If this episode resonated with you or helped you in any way, shape, or form, please do me a favor and screenshot it and put it on your Instagram story and tag me at JustAngeMarie. I just want to know that you listened to this episode and I want to be able to send you a direct message and personally thank you and talk to you one-on-one about this episode. If you got something out of it, if something struck you that you want to have an open and honest conversation with a non-judgmental human, that understands and can empathize with you, please send me a message and just tag me in your story on Instagram with a screenshot of this episode. I will still be putting out an episode this Friday, so I will talk to you in a few days and hopefully on Instagram as well. Have a great rest of your Monday, guys. I will talk to you soon. Bye.